So Psalm 110. This is from the ESV. So this is a psalm of David. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Okay, um, I'd like to invite uh, Bob Mendelssohn um, to be our speaker today. So let's welcome Bob up. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank God, thank you. Uh, each of you for being here. Thanks to those watching at home or in jail or wherever you are. Well, they should be watching too, shouldn't they? And whether you're in pajamas or whatever, it's just great to be almost people, have almost everybody coming back to church, isn't it? Uh, I think we all have fatigue, fatigue. We're just tired of being tired. And I, I am so looking forward to the end of this month and maybe end of masks and maybe the end of QR check-ins and maybe, we'll see, we'll see. It is a pleasure to be back here at the church and to speak with you this morning. Uh, Joe absented himself to go take care of children, which I think is pretty great that he not only can do that, but that he also extended to me a trust that I'm going to teach you God's Word. He doesn't have to monitor. Well, we're going to speak today about this psalm and Hebrews chapter 7. I'm going to teach that verse by verse, so we'll be there in just a short while as we unpack one of my favorite biblical characters, Melchizedek or Melchizedek. We're going to sort out why the biblical writers chose to make mention of him and to use his person as a pointer to the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua. And today we'll also consider the mission to the Jewish people here in Sydney that I run called Jews for Jesus, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about its worldwide impact as well. Well, the psalm begins, if you're there, it's Psalm 110. The psalm begins with unusual vocabulary. It says, the Lord said to my Lord. This doesn't sound very Jewish. If you know anything about Jewish people, you know we have one God. And the Lord and my Lord sounds like two Lords. I was a math teacher. I can do this. Uh, here we read, one Lord said to another Lord, and that sounds like two. But David is not confused. But I think he is confused. So confusing, in fact, that Yeshua, Jesus himself, used this text to answer those Pharisees who were giving him stick about his own claims. You might remember that in Matthew chapter 22. We read this. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. That's still taught, by the way, nowadays. I grew up as an Orthodox Jew in Kansas City, right in the middle of the U.S., and I learned that Moshiach, Messiah, would be Ben David, the son of David. 
There's also one called Ben Yosef, the suffering one, but certainly Ben David. And Jesus said to them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. If David, Jesus said, calls him Lord, how is he David's son? No one was able to answer him a word, nor did anyone from that day on to ask him another question. That's Matthew 22, 41 and following. For others, it's not so clear. So let's try to clear things up. And before we unpack this psalm, I want to remind you, if you're a believer in Jesus or Yeshua as Messiah, that he has called each of us to be a royal priesthood. You might remember that in the Apostle Peter's words in 1 Peter chapter 2, you are a royal priesthood, a chosen race, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Peter would certainly have known about this priestly ministry as Yeshua actually ordained him to such. This is going to take a minute. Let me see if I can do this. In Matthew 16, the disciples had come back from their first missionary trip. And Jesus said to them, who do people say that I am? And some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said, who do you say that I am? And Peter, God bless him, said first, you're the Messiah, son of the living God. Now, like I said, I was a math teacher, so I would have put, you know, 100% or circled it or smiley face, depending on the age of the child. Jesus did not say, you know, spot on, Jesus. He, Peter. He didn't say, yeah, 100 gold star. He didn't. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. What a weird thing to say to a buddy. <laughs> but if you know Hebrew, you know that that's how Hebrew prayers begin. Baruch atah, blessed are you. What he's doing is having a formal religious ceremony right there with Peter. He's ordaining Peter to, to gospel ministry. He calls him by his full Hebrew name, Shimon Bar-Yona. That's the only time he's called that, Simon, the son of Jonah. Huh. So I believe that Yeshua is ordaining him uh, in this uh, official ceremony to gospel ministry. And that meant one thing to Peter in those days. What does it mean to be ordained? It meant to become a priest. They were the leaders. They were the officiants at the ceremonies. They did all the slaughtering. They did all the praying publicly. Peter's becoming a Kohen. That's the Hebrew word for priest. Well, wait a minute. Who can do that anyway? Who can make someone who's not a priest to be a priest? It was genetics that made a person a priest. The only one who can violate that, who can honestly do that, is God himself. And Yeshua is basically saying that of himself. Jesus is claiming to be God. This is an outrageous and awesome claim. But wait a minute. And here's the real problem today that we're going to try to solve. Jesus himself is not even a priest. But wait a minute, you've said to each other, Jesus is the great high priest. You've said that, you've prayed that, you've sung that. But he can't be because the priests were from the line of which one? 
Levi, and Jesus was from the line of Judah. Uh-uh, problem. We've got a problem. According to scriptures, a priest had to be born in the line of Aaron, who was a Levite. Levi being the third son of Jacob. Jesus, according to genealogies, was a great, 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 great grandson of Judah, the son of, fourth son of Jacob. In other words, Yeshua came from the wrong son of Jacob. To be a priest, descend from Levi. Yeshua descended from Levi's brother. So he is disqualified. He cannot be a priest at all, much less make someone else into one. Therefore, something had to be done with that conflict. The writer of Hebrews will make a very clear and very important case for the priesthood of Yeshua. And I'll explain that just now using our featured character of the day, Melchizedek. Just for your reference, Genesis 14 is where we're first introduced to him. He is a king. He lived during the time of Abraham, about 2000 BCE. And he's mentioned both in our psalm today in the book of Hebrews. Who is he? Who is he? I preached this last year at a church, and the pastor got up and said, I'm renaming the sermon, Who the Heck is Melchizedek? I said, well, you can do that. I'm not going to. Melchizedek, uh, according to the story in Genesis 14, was the priest of another people, geographically in what today we call Jerusalem. When Abraham had been successful in battle in retrieving his nephew Lot from his captors, Abraham wanted to say thank you to God, to demonstrate thankfulness to him right away. And he went to this guy named Melchizedek, both a priest and a king of Salem who promised to stand with Abraham. Melchizedek brought out what we would call communion. He brought out bread and wine in Hebrew. He brought out Kiddush, a typical Friday night. Um, reminder of who God is, bread and wine. And he served some of the ministry leaders in Abraham's entourage. He also said a priestly blessing over Abraham, which was powerful. Now, the Bible makes it clear that the greater blesses the lesser. When Abraham, what, what Abraham did, what did was surprising. He gave money. He gave a tenth, a tithe, to Melchizedek, and thus gave honor to him. Let's read from Hebrews 7 and unpack it as we go. Let me get there. Hebrews. No jokes about coffee. All right, Hebrews 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom Abraham gave a tenth of all his spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, Melech Tzedek. Melech, king, Tzedek, Tzedakah, righteousness. He's the king of righteousness. Wouldn't that be a cool name to give your kid? Anybody name your, all the beautiful children who are just here, any of them? No Melchizedek's. Well, maybe next year when I come. Uh, anybody pregnant? Just checking. Uh, beautiful name. And whether it was his title or his name, we'll just leave it. He was king of righteousness. It also says he was the king of Salem. King of Salem. Salem meaning shalom, meaning king of peace. Without father, look at that, without father, without mother, 
without, that's uh, verse 3 here, without genealogy, no, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. Without father and mother, that doesn't mean he didn't, he wasn't born naturally. What it means is that in the record of Scripture, he just pops onto the scene. He did have beginnings. He does die later. But the Bible doesn't make mention of those events. What matters is this moment with Abraham. Verse 4. Now observe how great this man was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the choicest spoils. And these indeed of the sons of Levi who received the priest's office have commandment in the Torah, the law, to collect a tenth from the people, that is from their brethren, although they are descended from Abraham. Have I confused you yet? Hang in there. All Jewish people pay to the Levites. But the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Look, a key word in the book of Hebrews is the word better. Yeshua is better than angels, better than Moses, better than, it's all better. The blood of Jesus is better than the blood of Abel. You, you've, you've read this. So here in verse 7, we see Melchizedek is better than Abraham because of the blessing. In this case, merciful men receive tithes, but in that case, one receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives on. This is not a one-off annual donation. In this case, it's a one-off eternal donation. And so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Okay, hang in there. Abraham represents in his family the Levites because in his loins are the Levites. Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac Jacob, Jacob the 12 sons and one daughter, is so including Levi. So we would say Levi is in Abraham. All right. So when the Levites later receive tithes, they still are owing to the one who is from the greater order, the blessed order, the higher order, the one who blessed Abraham. Levites are less. Melchizedekians are greater. You beginning to see this? It's beginning to come clear. In other words, since Levi was in Abraham and all the current priests about whom he's talking, uh, were also there, then the priesthood of today, that's all the Aaronides, all the Cohens today who live in Sydney, who live wherever you're watching, all those priests today are less than the priesthood of Yeshua because he's from the order that was higher because of the blessing and the tithing. It's going to keep coming clearer. This is like one of those Polaroid pictures that's, I'm beginning to see. Okay, hang in there. Verse 8. Now, if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, on the basis of it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not to be designated according to the order of Aaron? In other words, why did we even mention him in Genesis 14? Why is David talking about him in Psalm 110? If there's no need for him, leave him out. Hmm. In other words, if it were 
if the priesthood completed us, if Judaism was a, a religion by which we were completed, if we could be complete in Levi, we wouldn't need anyone else. For when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of law also. For the one concerning whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no one has officiated at the altar, meaning at the temple in Jerusalem, which was still standing at the time of the writing of the book of Hebrews. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning priests. And this is clearer still. If another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who's become such not on the basis of the law of a physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life. <laughs> Yeshua came from Judah and was as such disqualified from being our high priest in heaven. But cleverly, the writer of Hebrews, whom I think is a woman, gets, don't ask, um, I mean, you can ask later. Yeah, you can. Uh, gets another order of priests to make this work. If he's going to be, Yeshua is going to be our high priest, he's got to be a priest in another way than the ordinary Jewish way of priesthood. Verse 17 quotes our psalm today. For it is attested of him, the second Lord of verse 1, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That's what the author of Hebrews is helping us understand. Genealogy is not what makes Jesus able to be a priest and to make Peter into a priest. God has a second order, actually a primary order, a greater order, or in the book of Hebrews word, a better order. And the psalm tells us that that priesthood is forever. Forever is better than the limited amount of annual work of the Levitical priests. They daily worked, they annually worked, but they never forever worked. That's why we say in the creeds, did you grow up in speaking creeds? Some of you were Catholic, some of you were other religions before you found grace, literally. Um, and so you would repeat the, the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. Those are great creeds, by the way. That's why we speak in the creeds about Jesus and how he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Remember that phrase? After Yeshua completed his work, dying on the cross, and like we sang, rising from the dead, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Why is he seated? Psalm 110. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Sit down, not because Yeshua was tired, but as an enthronement, both as a seat of judgment, that's what Psalm 110 continues with, and due to his completing the task of eternal salvation for all of humanity. It's a picture of triumph. Priests had another role. What, was, what did priests do? How do we picture them? Were they seated? No, they're standing each year on the Day of Atonement on Yom Kippur. And every day they ministered with sacrifices for sin in the tabernacle and then later in the temple. The offerings were never ending. <laughs> done, undone, done. Do it again, done, undone, done. The system shouted incomplete and is represented by the priests who were standing. 
But when Yeshua offered himself once for all, meaning for all people, and once for all, meaning for all time, why all time? Because he said, it is finished. It is done. It's complete. For the people of Moses' day, for the people of Isaiah's day, of Yeshua's day, and thanks be to God for the people in our day too. Hallelujah. Why? Because his work is done. He can and did sit down. You'll see that in Hebrews 10 in 11 to 13. All right, back to Hebrews 7, verse 23. The former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Yeshua, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he's able to save I love this phrase, to the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Huh. What's Jesus doing right now? Just ponder that for a moment. Gentle and lowly Jesus, I'm meek and lowly. It's not he used to be meek and lowly. He is meek and lowly. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest for your souls, for I'm meek and lowly. That's what he was. It wasn't just he was so that he could die and then he'll see you in a couple thousand years. He's ever living to make intercession for you. What's Jesus doing right now? The gentle and lowly Jesus is making intercession for each one of you. Awesome. How I need that. Oh, I need you. Oh, how I need you. And he's responding. Verse 26, for it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily like those priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins, then for the sins of the people. Because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath which came after Torah appoints a son made perfect, love it, forever. So what do we learn? Yeshua is our great high priest, not because he came from Judah, but because he came from the order of Melchizedek. He's the forever priest. He is God's son, equal with God. He's perfect. He needed no atonement for his own sins. He's the one and the only one who hears us and who cares about us. He lives to make intercession for us. He saves to the uttermost. Glory, glory to his name. What about you? Priests have a job to do. Priests mediate between the people and the deity. That's their job. And between the deity and the people. That's why we celebrate that we have Yeshua now, who's the only mediator between God and men. No man needs to do it for us any longer. No man can do it for us any longer. What about us? I mean, it's great to learn about Jesus and his priesthood. You know, we don't have a high priest who can't. 
Why did she write double negatives? We don't have a high priest who cannot say. So we have a priest who can sympathize. There you go. Can you, can we edit the Bible? Can we? Don't do that. Uh, We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way like as we are yet without sin. Therefore, therefore, since Jesus did all that and is ever living, therefore, let us draw near with confidence. Not because we're not afraid of coming to him. Oh, Lord, you don't know what I did. Yeah, I do. No, 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 you don't really know. You don't know what I was thinking. You don't know how I spoke. You don't know the misbehavior in which I've lived. Oh, I know. What does he say? Draw near. Draw near. Thank you, Lord. With confidence, not with embarrassment, not with shame, with confidence, draw near because he's meek and lowly. Draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. You guys should know this back and forth. Draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I mean, okay, after learning about Jesus and his priesthood and that he's awesome and fulfills biblical requirements, okay, so what? So what? In the same way that God ordained Peter, God calls you to be a priest. You believe that? Let me ask that again. You believe that? That means you represent God to the people and the people to God. That means you speak about God to others and you speak about others to God. We evangelize and we pray. That's what a priest does. Listen to this odd phrase. It's, a, it's an odd phrase. It's in Romans chapter 15. I found it one day in accident. You know how that is when you stumble across a word. And it's in the Greek, and it's the only time the word priest is used in a verb form in the Newer Testament. Romans 15, 15, and 16, it says this. Paul wrote, I've written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Messiah Yeshua to the Gentiles ministering as a priest the gospel of God so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. I say it's odd because it's the only time in the NT that the verb, that the word priest is used in verb form. And what we are as the body of Messiah here at Grace Church and at all the other churches that are meeting in the neighborhood one right here in this complex and one 400 meters away called Dayspring and one just a little fellowship group called Hillsong. Anyway, there's a whole bunches around the Hills Alliance. There's so many beautiful churches where the gospel of Messiah is proclaimed. We, all of us, are to function as a royal priesthood, if you will, all of us together reaching a lost world, bringing them to God and bringing God to them. We together are a witness and a holy one at that of the holy God. If you're here in the sanctuary or you're watching elsewhere and you're not yet a believer, I urge you to hear these words, to consider Yeshua, our great high priest, who alone went into the heavenly tabernacle made without hands and secured our and your eternal forgiveness. Consider and receive him as Savior and Lord. He is our Messiah and the one who lives to intercede and to cry out on our behalf. Hallelujah. 
What a Savior. Then when you also join him and believe Yeshua died for your sins and rose from the dead for us all, then you can join us. And together we'll make a clear proclamation to the world of God's eternal message of hope and joy, of forgiveness and salvation. And that, friends, is why I'm here today, to help you all see the priesthood of all believers. That is, that we all together are a priesthood to the world. And I'm here to ask you to pray for our work of Jews for Jesus in Sydney and around the world. Quick story, maybe two, a quick story about a guy named, I'll call him Alan. Alan's been coming around our bookshop in Bondi Junction for years. He's been coming to our meetings for a while and leaving early. You know people like that. They come, they check in, swoop in, swoop out. That's okay. Um, He's about 40 years old, and um, uh, his life is a mess. He admits that. He comes in and once in a while he says, you got a Bible verse for me? And I'll read him a Bible verse and he'll take it and say, thanks, I got to go, boom. And sometimes he'll come in and just make tea for himself. In our t- okay, so he's been in and out for literally years. Tuesday, a couple weeks ago, he walks in, he says, okay, I believe Yeshua is the Messiah. And after they picked me up off the floor, <laughs> I said, this is awesome. This is awesome. Are you serious? And we prayed together just then. I wanted, I don't, you know, t- let's profess this. Let's say these words. I want you to profess this. And then I immediately went to the book of Acts and said, you know what the boys and what the people did there once they came to faith? They got water baptized. He said, yeah, I'm not ready. I said, you will be. So uh, we talked about it. And uh, two days later, we we took a ride over to Watson's Bay, not for a swim, but for an immersion. And he came out and he was not only wet, he he was just beautiful. You could see something in him. Two days later, he comes into the shop and he says, I really feel peace. And I thought, he didn't get a card like, okay, you will feel peace after your bed. No, I mean, he just really had an experience with the Lord. And that's been two weeks, and uh, he's coming in pretty much every couple of days. And he joined our Bible class on Friday morning. It's just really neat to watch what God does with people. We have loads more stories I want to tell you. Can you pop up that, that QR code? Uh, this is for everybody who's in this sanctuary and for you at home. Can they see it too? Really? You guys are tech-savvy. Jimmy, you're not the only one. Uh, (laughs) But Jimmy saved the day for me today, which was great. Um, There you can, if you'd like to join us, and you can use Square after the service if you want to, you know, be very physical with it, or you want to just punch that on your phone. Everybody uses QR codes for everything uh, for now. Just go to that website. It's jewsforjesus.org.au stroke giving. And there's lots of ways to do that. I I had a lady take a picture of it, not to use the QR code, but so she could get the URL. I said, we could just type in the URL. Oh, yeah, I guess. Okay, there you go. Look, we're all overwhelmed with so much technology. Um, And there are some cards back towards the back. Oh, you've got them. You're stashing them. Okay, so you want to pop up? Would you do that and just uh, hand these out? Some people actually use pens. And so if you want, could you, yeah, just, yeah, you can, you can become distributors. Thank you for that. And you, you can assign an assistant. This is perfect. Uh, 
So when you get this card, just tear it right there and fill out, use a pen or whatever people use anymore. No, 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 I really, I still use a pen. Uh, yeah, and just put your name and details and we'll get you the newsletter. We send it by email, we send it by, by post, whatever you prefer. We like sending out the newsletter because it's got real stories of guys like Alan and real teachings like I'm trying to give you today. And it's all over the globe what God's doing in Israel. And I'm looking forward to hearing about the couple that's back up the back who's going to Israel next month. Are you going with anybody or just by yourselves? Cool. So we'll look forward to hearing your stories when you come back. We have our largest branch in Tel Aviv, and we've just opened one in Jerusalem. We have over 50 full-time staff in Israel working to share the gospel there, and we're doing it here as well. Look, I love the stories we get to tell you. On Friday, the shop closes at 3 o'clock, but we didn't close the door. At 4 o'clock, a woman stands outside, and she's smoking, and she says, can I get a prayer? And I thought, sure. <laughs> I'd, honestly, I've experienced a lot. I've never seen this. And I said, sure. Can you put out the cig and come on in? She said, okay. And she stood outside and smoked whatever, three, two more minutes, three more minutes. Then she came and said, I, I need a prayer. And I said, okay, have a seat. And I thought, I've just moved into priestly ministry. They may not accept my prophetic ministry of preaching the word, but they'll almost always receive my priestly ministry of praying the word. But before I did that, I said, where are you from? And she said, Israel. And I said, okay, good. Pulled down a Hebrew New Testament. And prayer in the Jewish world is read, not just talking to God. It's a little unusual for most of you. But it's a red thing. So I said, well, let's read a little something first. And we went to John 3, and we saw the story of Nicodemus and like a serpent raised up in the wilderness. And he, she said, what's that? And I told her, and everybody who looked up could live. Do you want to look up to God? Yes. Okay, good. So now we'll pray. So Rebecca, my offsider, was there, and she prayed for this woman. And then I prayed for her. We'll call, we'll call the woman Rachel. You can just pray for Rachel and I really urge you to join us in that. She gave us her name, address. She is desperate. She is in big trouble. And it, she had to go report to the police about an AVO and yada, yada. And I thought, why didn't we shut the door today and go home like we always do on Fridays? Because of Rachel. Because God wanted us to be in the priestly ministry. It was so awesome. She goes... And Rebecca and I are talking, and we're doing a couple other administrative things. 30 minutes later, Rachel comes back with energy right back into the shop window, shop, shop door, and says, it worked. It worked. And she had whatever to, she explained about the problem she was going to have at the police. The police dismissed it. Everything's good. And we said, praise the Lord. And she said, hallelujah. <laughs> and I thought, okay. But she took the New Testament that we gave her. It's in Hebrew. And she kissed it. You got to know, Jews finish prayers with a prayer book by kissing it and then putting it down. But she kissed it, giving it its due honor. There's something going on in Rachel's life. And I just want you to be part of that. 
uh, I want you to feel what we feel, which is the one-by-one ministry to Jewish people that God gives us. It's pretty awesome. Um, I've promoted a couple things. Let me just show you two more things. I'll be done in a heartbeat. One is this 100 Prophecies brochure. Yeah, it just keeps going. 100 Prophecies Fulfilled by Jesus. It's really a great, useful tool for you in trying to explain the good news. And this book, which has a really question, no, a decent cover, but it's not real flash. It's called Mere Evangelism written by a Jewish believer, a longtime friend named Randy Newman. It's all about how you can take ordinary conversations and turn it towards the gospel. It is not just, it's not written for Jews, it's written for anybody, for people in Castle Hill and for people in all the seven hills and all the places where you and I might travel. It's really a great book. It's on the not-so-free side of the table back there. Um, Pastor Joe, wherever you are, thank you for watching the kids. Thank you for the trust you have in me and in Jews for Jesus. I trust that some of you will join us as partners in ministry, in financial giving, in praying for us in our continual work. If you want, fill out that white card and give it to me up the back. It would be a real blessing to continue to, I believe, in partnering together with churches all around Sydney, Melbourne, around the country. Um, thanks. Pam, do I turn it back to you? I will do that. Shalom. Thank you.